Sprouta opens up a world of collective expertise and unique solutions for organizations who have the drive to maximize their impact and want to do good work in the world. Sprouta gives you a new way to identify and solve your real challenges within people, performance, and culture. This is a Sprouta podcast. Hi, my name is Craig Foreman, also known as Culture Craig, and I'm a lead people scientist with CultureAmp, the world's top-ranked people and culture platform. I've always been driven by a genuine curiosity of people and have built a career around my personal mission to help the world work better by improving the places we work. In this podcast, we're amplifying the professional and personal stories of people in our industry who are passionate about making a difference and courageously delivering better experiences for humans at work. This is Humanity Works with me, Culture Craig. Three, two, one. Here we go. Jack Peters has built a 17-year career with Coca-Cola Amatil, first joining as a recruiter in 2004 and has worked her way up to becoming the head of leadership and engagement. A well-known industry leader and highly regarded, Jack is a passionate leadership practitioner. Jack has not only seen the business go through many ups and downs, but she has been an integral part of the shift in what it means to be a good leader and cultivate a culture where people feel safe, feel supported, and are able to be their best and bring their best every day. We were asking leaders to take on huge responsibility for their people through a global pandemic, a health issue, economic issue. There wasn't a playbook, there is no playbook, but what we do have is each other. Jack Peters, friend, colleague, somebody that I'm so excited to be able to work with. We've been lucky enough to work together. And now we get to do this together. So first of all, thank you for saying yes. Welcome. Thank you. It's good to have you here. Okay, so we're just going to get right to it. What would what would you want the world to know about you, Jack, as a human, even professionally, but beyond that title and the, the description of the organization, like introduce Jack Peters to, to all of us. So I am a, a proud Brit that now lives in Sydney. So I'm a dual citizen. Um, I'm, a, I'm a naughty little sister, um, an only daughter. And for those of you that are interested in kind of psych profiles, I'm an HBDI. I'm a high eye on disc. I'm a wife, uh, a dog mum. So I have two beautiful um, golden retrievers. So I'm a, a massive animal lover. I studied history and politics as my undergrad and then moved through to studying leadership and management. Um, and I've recently qualified as a registered marriage celebrant. So um, huh. a, bit of a bit of a side hustle maybe for future. Um, yeah, you learned I, something. <laughs> learned something new. So, yeah, love people and just thought that would be a fun and exciting way to maybe explore that. Yeah, um, and I've always felt that out of you and I – in this work, it's so great to get to, to work with other people that have that that inherent love for people. Take us back, walk us a little bit through as we as we kind of get to the here and now about your journey and, and, and what that's like to be at an organization for 17 years. So we're about 12 and a half thousand employees um, across wow. those, yeah, but across six geographies. So a super interesting business, always changing. So over that time, we've, you know, we've acquired businesses we've merged with businesses like except you know we've moved into alcohol so there's always been when people say why do you stay um, it doesn't feel like the business I joined in 2004 it's I a bet. very different business and the pace of that and just the the differences and the different leaders that we've had over that time have just each brought something unique and different um, and continued that learning experience for me 
Amatil is one of the few um, businesses in Australia that has a female chair and a female CEO. Um, so I've worked for a male CEO and a male chair and it is different. And actually what comes up and how people show up um, and the nuances of that is really different. So I think I've just been, again, very fortunate to just experience different styles of leadership, yeah. um, different periods of growth as well for the organisation. So obviously when I was first here, we were in kind of double-digit growth. It was a very healthy um, growing business and then a few years ago that started declining so just seeing people adapt um, and really change what we needed in our leaders and then last year 2020 again tipped everything on its head um, and really challenged how we wanted our leaders to show up and and really reinforce some of the um, and I hate calling them soft skills but it's what it's what people often refer to them as yeah. but it is those how do we actually connect with our people Mm. really look after well-being i know globally there was a real focus on well-being but we've been on that journey for a little while but it just amplified through 2020 and again so it's almost to yeah. say my learnings around leadership keep shifting from that what what good leadership looks like how does that then play out and even the social and political kind of environment that we're we're finding ourselves in i think we're we're actually asking a lot more of our leaders they do need to be really tapped into those conversations and that's challenging right that's um it's big stuff for people to be able to get their heads around and and really show up in a way that's meaningful and congruent for them but i'll tell you what you know i i, I when you're talking i heard a story i'm gonna share the story with you and, and you know i think it's a natural trans transition on how we're supporting our leaders and with everything going on and the social situations a good friend of mine she's a, a senior executive at a pretty large organization and she was talking to me the other day and she knows what i do this is not she doesn't work with me professionally she doesn't work with culture amp and she said, you know, I, I really, I trust my organization. We just had another you know, social justice situation in the States. And they came to us and said, bring your teams together and host listening groups, right? Talk and listen to your, um, to the people that are working with you. And she said, you know, I organized it. And she said, Craig, I sat there and I was scared to death. I didn't know what to say, right? It was great that they asked me to be there to do this, but I'm a white woman. I'm still figuring out this whole thing for myself. So and I thought that was so fascinating about our organizations. And even sometimes when we have the best intentions that we can't just say, come up with a policy or make an ask that there's layers to this. So I'm sharing that story because, you know, you're saying made me think about that. And I think we can drift into some of these other things I want to ask. But when I share that story with you, what do you what do you think about what comes up and how can organizations support our leaders who are being asked to really execute on these very challenging things? Yes. Yeah, so for me, um, the leadership piece is, is not the title. It really is about how leaders are showing up. And the critical thing that leaders do for their people is, is make sense of things. So that's not just the, the kind of organizational strategy and what's going on internally. It is actually about how do we connect back into the, the communities in which we operate, um, the things that they're seeing in society. Um, so whether that is something around gender equality or in Australia, it could be about um, Indigenous Australians. So what's the conversation we want to have? Um, and to your point, I think people are really challenged by they don't want to say the wrong thing. They don't want to be seen to be talking to something that they don't know a lot about. So there is this, this fear, I think, um, and it takes real courage for them to be able to speak about this. And I think it is, I'm less worried about where the conversation goes. It is about having the conversation. Um, and actually about being able to support them. So we have, you know, obviously a DNI team here that can help with with tools and materials. But I think beyond that, it's actually just getting leaders um, really aware that that's actually part of their role. So to be able to speak up and, and be courageous and have those conversations is actually 
what leaders now need to be able to demonstrate. And again, leaders don't always have the answer. So, you know, the best leaders ask the best questions, right? So if it was when you talk about your your friend, it is that what, what are the questions that people have? What does that feel like for them? What are the challenges that they're experiencing? Um, and, tr- and again, trying to make sense of that for people rather than having the policy or the protocol um, and all the answers. So I think it is about, you know, I say, being able to make sense of what's happening, provide that context and actually think about a way forward, but together. So co-create some of that stuff, you know, whether it's employee resource groups or different ways of working with employees to explore those ideas. Um, yeah. And again, looking externally. So there's so many great pieces of work happening around the world. Um, and just try, again, educate yourself. So if you're nervous about talking about equality as a male leader, pick pick up some of the, the stuff that's out there, have a look at it, talk to your, you know, talk to your wife, talk to your, your sister, you know, get those different perspectives um, and, and explore that curiosity and, and really try and understand what those different perspectives mean. Um, mm-hmm. Because I think that's where you get the real sweet spot of a leader actually being able to articulate that much more authentically um, and yeah. in a way that will connect with people, to be honest. That's great. And, I, and I, we could dig into that. I'm, I'm going to rewind just a little bit and say, what if I came to you right now? We're sitting and I have this, I'm a leader. And for whatever reason, I probably should have came to you two weeks ago. I'm stressing out. I'm losing sleep. And two days I have this conversation with my team. And I said, you, that thing you just said, Jack, I don't want to say the wrong thing. I'm so scared. I don't want to say the wrong thing. I have this, I have this meeting in two days. What would you, what would you say to me in that moment? What would be the direct advice or how would you coach me in that, in that situation? So I, I would be really, um, really keen to understand what was going on for you. So why you, why were you feeling like that? What was leading you to have that kind of thought? Um, and again, what were you trying to get out of the conversation? So I'd you know, see, show you some empathy, Craig. Um, but I would really start trying to dig into what is it that you're most worried about? So if it's saying the wrong thing or looking stupid, how can we frame that conversation? So you are just opening up that door to having a conversation. Um, and really, again, asking people what's on their mind. Um, what are the things that they're most concerned about listening? So it isn't about Craig having to show up and, and give a beautiful speech around gender equality. Or, Maybe that's the point, right? The man yeah. that's scary is going to say something. Maybe that's the point. There's nothing to be Maybe said. You just need to listen. <laughs> yeah, and just, ha- again, have some great questions. So... What yeah. is it that your teams are noticing? What is it that they're concerned about? How as a female does this um, show up for you? And, and what do you think we can do as an organisation or as a team to really change that that experience for people? So I think it, it does come back to asking more, talking less, um, and just engaging. And again, acknowledging that maybe you don't have the answer or the solution, but together that's where you want to head. And, and again, just work together to find um, different ways of working yeah. or making things a great experience for other people. Yeah. And those are such wonderful pieces of advice. And I'm hoping that this will get to, to certain years that will be thinking this. There's one thing that we started this by saying, I showed up to you to ask for that help. So what I would say if somebody's listening and struggling with that, the piece that we just assumed is I showed up for ask for help, right? There are people out there to support you if you're just willing to ask for help and say, I don't know. I mean, that's maybe the starting point and being vulnerable. We talked about that, the vulnerability of a leadership of our leader. Um, and maybe that's the answer is starting to ask for help. Yeah. And I think it is acknowledging that you don't always have the answer, but start the conversation. I think people are really willing to engage in that versus having someone talk at them. 
Um, and I know myself, you know, if I was going to a, a panel around um, equality and it felt very one way, I that's not something I would enjoy myself. So I think having people share their experiences um, and really helping leaders and, again, male and female leaders to really understand those different experiences for people and maybe how things could look and feel a bit different. So I think it's, yeah. it is conversations, it's questions, um, and it's just opening up those, those different thoughts and different perspectives. Absolutely. Are there ways we can support managers so they're better prepared um, to do that? Because there's some personal work in that, right? It requires us to, to, to go deep and look. Um, so yeah, what are your thoughts around that, supporting our leaders and managers, you know, so they're ready to go in and have those conversations on their own? Yeah, look, I think you've um, struck on something really important there, Craig, and it is actually about that self-awareness. So really understanding yourself and having a strong sense of who you are as a leader, what you stand for, um, and I say how you show up is actually, for me, the first piece. So you can't be a great leader, you can't lead others if you can't lead yourself. So I think there is something, you know, and we spend a lot of time with our leaders trying to get them to understand, and whether that's through a psychometric tool or 360 or getting them to reflect. So I think reflection, I would always say to a leader, reflect on those experiences. So whether they were early career or more recent, what are those moments where you've experienced something that maybe wasn't what you thought or turned out a little bit differently or was a real challenge? And then how can you use that as a learning to maybe bring forward? Um, and again, just being really open and, and showing that vulnerability that, you know, we don't all have the answers. And I think particularly last year was probably a really good example where we were asking leaders to take on huge responsibility for their people through a global pandemic, a health issue, economic issue. Um, we did, there wasn't a playbook. There is no playbook, but what we do have is each other. So again, connecting like-minded, so peer group conversations. And I would always, you know, advise any leader, who are you talking to? Who Who's your... Yeah. You know, set up, we talk about having your own board of directors. So have have those people that you draw on for different things. And again, depending on the subject or the context, you might go to, if it is something about gender, then obviously you might, you know, draw more on your female cohort. But if it's something around change or another kind of facet of leadership, I think it's about having those people in your life that you can draw in talk to, share ideas with, and actually, again, that, that reflection. So I think we, we do try and encourage um, leaders to have that reflective practice. And interestingly, I think when people do spend the time there, they really benefit from that. So it is something, and I know myself, you know, you're running so hard, sometimes you don't look back and you don't kind of go, okay, what could I have done differently or what have I really learned? Um, yeah. Each week, if you just write those two questions down, I think you're already setting yourself um, on a really good pathway to be able to learn, move forward, and, and again, gain those different perspectives and insights. Yeah. And you know, Jack, I've, I've worked with a lot of organizations. I love working with organizations. I love thinking systemically how we can shift this. Um, but I think the further I go into my work, I keep coming back to this, this reality that, and you know, to fix it, I'm pointing outward. All these things are programs are fix it. Like we're all trying to fix the stuff the more and more is to fix it. And I'm pointing in that it's, it's pretty amazing. We're trying to find all these big existential answers to things that if we are willing to take a look and say, well, how can I show up and bring more belonging? How am I being part, you know, doesn't mean you might be really far, far along, but there's, there's further to go. And I, I feel like the more we can 
in working with others, like you mentioned, getting your peer group, doing your own personal work, the solutions become more and more obvious. Yeah. And I think increasingly, you know, if you look back at kind of more historic traditional leadership development programs, it was very content heavy. So it was the, the theories of leadership, management 101, and then kind of working through. I think as people have spent more time, and again, the complexity of the work environment has changed, it is more of that AI kind of like, how do we actually get that emotional intelligence stuff through with people um, and start with self? Because actually, as I said before, if you if you can start with yourself and really know who you are, what you stand for um, and, and what you bring, um, I think people are much more likely to where you have that very authentic style and that really strong sense of self, people will follow that. And again, I think people are much more forgiving and and those high trust environments where you admit a mistake or you admit when you don't have the answer. Um, and that's what I would really encourage. Like there is the whole fail, move on, but learn from it. So again, how do you create those? And it is that safety that you're talking about um, and those really high trust environments. So I think, you know, if you look at different ways and, and different language around trust, it really is about how do you build that and sustain that? Because it's, it's you know, a lot of people are very giving with trust, but they are also very quick to discredit when something goes wrong. So I think it is about, you know, working on those relationships, being really authentic, um, really consistent with your values and your behaviours. And I think people will then, those trust conversations, and, and, and again, they'll then afford you those times where maybe you don't, there is a misstep or you don't say the right word. Um, people will have that trust because they know what you stand for as a leader and they'll follow that. Mm-hmm. And, you know, even when we were talking before, I think for a leader, I might say, if I was really coaching and it's tomorrow, how about you open your, how about you open your session with saying, I'm really scared right now. I'm scared. I'm going to say the wrong thing. I don't know what's going on. I'm going to do my best. I came prepared with questions. I may mess up and I'd love for you to give me feedback, but I'm here to, to facilitate a conversation and do my best, right? That vulnerability there, how would that change the entire meeting? How people would see you versus trying to hide from the fact that you're scared and unsure, which let's be real. Most humans, we, even if we know it cognitively, we pick up on these things. Yeah. And I think. Right acknowledging that fear and it, and, it, and we know learning is discomfort so you know beautiful Brene Brown with her um, nah. but the current being courage can have courage or and comfort you need to choose one um <laughs> this is those moments right these are the moments where you do need to choose comfortable the courage and it's gonna feel a bit icky and you know uncomfortable but that's where the real learning and the real change will happen when people can acknowledge they don't have all of those answers and that bravery that 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 requires is you know that's where strong leaders really do show up the thing that strikes me as jack and i chat about the importance of vulnerability and leadership is that organizations are talking more and more about this yet still struggling to embrace the power of vulnerability and developing this as a core competency amongst their managers and leaders at CultureAmp, we have the luxury of looking at lots of data. We work with over 3,500 organizations, including Coca-Cola, Amatil, and have collected millions of employee engagement responses. What we've found is that an employee with a strong relationship to a manager is four times more likely to recommend their organization, three times more likely to be highly engaged, and 10 times more likely to stay. We also know that there are four key components to a strong relationship with a manager, which are respect, distributed authority, transparency, and trust. And it's fair to say that to do any of these well, vulnerability is a key skill. We have just run a survey in our group office. So 
the the corporate center if you like and leadership and trust are really high so and what they also drive we've got really incredible pride scores so the question the recommend question but the i have pride in the organization in all of our businesses so across each of the locations they're 90 plus um, wow. in a couple of the teams i was looking at so in our people and culture team actually in um the recent survey it was a hundred percent that my manager wants me to succeed um, and I trust my manager was 96%. So we've got these beautiful um, data points that you're saying that actually, if we can maintain that level of trust and that that transparency of where we're heading as a business, um, what the plan is going forward and how we want our people to engage with that, I think you can do incredible things. So we've, we've actually been using Culture for a couple of years. And I think the, the what it allows us to do with that flexibility and those designer questions is really target what's actually happening in each of our businesses. So rather than using a, a stock standard kind of engagement template, being able to really focus on the things that matter most to that business at that point in time um, is so powerful. So I say we've just done a survey and it was, you know, off the back of obviously COVID, off the back of um, a quite a big structural reorganisation and at a time where we're actually heading into another potential big change. Um, and just being able to go, well, we know that if we have high trust, people will still show up in the right way. They will assume, it's almost that assuming positive intent. If we can build those relationships and have those really strong leadership and my manager scores, we know that people are willing to be taken on that journey. Then it's back to us to act on that and really make sure we're honouring that. So, you know, trust is a bit of a gift, right? So it is that if, if someone is giving Absolutely. me trust, I need to act on that and I need to treat that with the respect that it deserves. You know, I have a question here. Um, and just, you know, I think we'd both agree historically in being able to see the data, like leadership management has been off for a lot of people for a long, long time. So my question was, uh, you know, why has this felt, in your opinion, why has this felt so off for so long for so many? Um, I mean, getting, we're kind of backing back into what we've been speaking about where we need to change, but like, what's, what's been the problem up to this point? Where are we missing the boat when we know all of this? What are your thoughts on that? Look, I still think, and we, we have pockets of it, right? So organizationally, we have really, again, if you look at the top level, um, or top line, um, we have very strong, my leader and my manager scores. I still think we have leaders in some of our departments or teams that are very focused on outcome so they are still probably managing in a more traditional way they're probably less candid with their teams about decision making or they're less open to those broader conversations or those welfare kind of check-ins and I think we're seeing that so I think those people that did really well you know 10 years ago maybe uh, because they were delivering results. So those people with that really strong results orientation and maybe a more, like I said, a traditional view of leadership, I think they've just missed the missed the mark a little bit. I think there's, um, I'm going to get this wrong, but I think it's Warren Buffett that is the, um, it's only when the tide goes out that you see who's been swimming naked is the quote. <laughs> it's kind of what happened, right? So during COVID when actually leaders needed to show up in a different way, that the results, mm-hmm. the results were going south. Like everything was kind of tanking because you know we're a, we're a drinks business, so venues are closed, shops are closed. Actually, then it became that trust and that leadership stuff. So I think it's almost like you almost need those little. Don't think you need a global pandemic to point this out, but I think sometimes <laughs> you do need a bit of change or a bit of disruption to be able to see what's actually happening for people and maybe where they're missing the mark. 
Um, because, yeah. you know, you could probably be in some industry still quite successful running a very results-oriented business, strong KPIs and measures, and, yeah. and I'm sure that's still um, happening. But I think the sentiment from employees now is they want more than that. So working for a business that's successful and is paying me my paying my mortgage each month isn't enough. People want to feel connected. They want to feel something bigger than them and actually connected yeah. to that. Um, and I think that's maybe if you're missing the mark, you probably that's the piece you're probably missing. You're probably still treating it as a commercial outcome versus mm-hmm. actually the business is bigger than all of us. We are part yes. of a community. We, you know, we we service every postcode in Australia. It's a huge country. So we have connections with all these different environments, locations, communities. And I think until you see that and see what, you know, what is our social impact? What is our environmental impact? And I think more and more people are looking for that. Shifting. It's shifting and shifting from the bottom up that the people that are coming in are expecting this. And that's putting pressure also on how we lead and how we shift and how we're showing up. You know, I don't know if that was a Warren Buffett saying or not, but I was recently reviewing for a talk I was giving, reviewing some uh, some interviews I did over the summer. And, and this topic of leadership, something that kind of what you said, I thought was interesting, but there's a flip side too. And they, they, they spoke about this idea that challenging times are going to reveal the truth, like particularly around leadership. We're going to see things that, you know, it's easier to cover up. And I think that's kind of what he was saying as, as the tides go down, we can see, we can see everything. Um, but the other point they made, what I thought was so important was also challenging times will help you find new leaders that don't just, it's not just folks fixating on your current leaders, but using these opportunities that we can spot if we're looking for those future leaders, the ones that are rising up that may not have already been identified as leaders. So I always, when we have this conversation, I love to go there and say organizations, not only support your leaders and you know, you're seeing, you're seeing things a little more clearly, are you looking around for who's next? Because some people that you may not have had an eye on are showing up in a way they are your future leaders. And like, uh, this is that opportunity to, to do that as well. Yeah. And I think we, we saw a lot of that. So we saw um, a lot of our mid-level leaders that are probably, you know, they're, they're sandwiched between senior leaders trying to drive results. And actually, again, we were very focused through kind of COVID um, and organisational change last year to make sure people did feel valued and feel cared for. But those guys are then managing, you know, teams of teams and, again, really dispersed workforce. So I think some the way that some of those just took it on um, and really owned what their people needed and were really responsive to those changes and those challenges, um, absolutely, people were shining. So I think we just had this, you know, it is almost that that disruption just created those opportunities for people to really rise and shine through last year. So we see that. I think absolutely. You know, there was another another quote. I'm probably going to misquote this one too. Um, but I think when we were looking at some of our leadership <laughs> behaviours, we we landed on care being one. And there's a quote that's um, it's attributed to Roosevelt, um, and it's people won't care how much you know until they know how much you care. And I just thought that was beautiful sentiment from last year and and playing it forward that you know as a leader the the care element and you know really wanting the best for your people and wanting them to to come to work and thrive every day is actually a really um important trait Hearing Jack talk about care as a leadership behavior and what we discussed before about there being no playbook for what we're going through right now highlights the importance of sharing and amplifying what's working with one another and being as open source as possible. We don't have time for everyone to write their own playbooks on COVID or upskilling their managers in this transition. We need to be supporting one another in the whole of our workplaces. 
So I asked Jack to share the story behind Coca-Cola Amatil's five C's of leadership behavior that they launched in February of this year. So this has um, been a real, I guess, passion point for me. We already had a leadership framework. So like a lot of organizations, we had quite a complex um, capability framework. So we had 12 capabilities in four signatures and Unless you were living in HR world, it really didn't make <laughs> yeah. sense to a lot of people. So I think, you know, if I'd have wandered out onto the floor in one of our plants, I might have got one or two that they'd be able to cite. So they just were being underutilized. And I think the only time people really saw them was in kind of a development program. So we took the opportunity um, and it was actually pre-COVID. So I presented to our um, GLT, so the CEO and her direct reports in February last year. And we wanted to um, have this view and that my vision at the time was to be able to have a framework or some kind of construct that people could actually um, understand, articulate and act on. So we kind of tussled with what that might look like. And and I, I went away and then obviously COVID kind of within three weeks, my little project kind of um, shifted and molded a little bit. And we needed to, you know, really ramp up on what was important right now. Um, And through that, with the, I guess, the challenges, we really kind of started seeing that amplification on a couple of things. And the the two that kind of probably really um, came to the fore at that time were were courageous and caring. So our five are courageous, commercial, connected, caring and curious. So we were quite deliberate that they, they were all things that were very observable, that people could understand. So again, it was language that people would be able to use every day rather than you know, kind of a, a statement that just sat on a wall or on a piece of paper. Um, jargony. Jargony and, and just, yeah, yeah again, and, and, and awkward. And the other challenge for us, obviously, is these words need to make sense in New Guinea. They need to make sense in Indonesia. So even yeah. when you're, and again, when you're translating, so when we're looking at them in Bahasa, do they have the same meaning and intent that they do when we're using them in Australia? So again, we really challenged ourselves. So the five Cs really were a way of just being able to say, what good leadership looks like at Amatul. And then we've taken the step to kind of distill it down to each of our levels of leadership. So with the example of courageous, what does it look like for me as a senior leader? So a leads business, a leads leaders, leads others, leads self. And then Mm. we have developed a playbook that's got, you know, and we've kept it super simple. So a read, watch, do. So here's some get abstract um, articles. Have a look at what courageous looks like at each level. The watch is external resources. So we've just got open source. So what what can we find on TED Talks? What can we find open source that we can really leverage? And also what are our leaders saying? So we've actually got some video now of our our GLT talking about what this means to them. And then the do are those, you know, those plays. What can people do? So how would you bring being courageous into a team meeting? How would you bring that maybe into a performance conversation or a challenge that you're having with a customer. So it's very, again, very practical, very based in amateur context, but could easily be um, understood by someone joining the business. So you don't need to be 17 years with the business to understand yeah. what this means at amateur. So we've, you know, we've started rolling those out and it's really interesting to see the language is really coming through already. So, you know, yeah. whether it's on our workplace groups or it's in um, presentations that you're seeing some of the language and even people really challenging themselves to be courageous. So we have a question, the daily question. So how have I been courageous today? Um, and it's kind of similar to that point about being reflective. Like if you actually ask yourselves, well, how did I show courage? 
um, at the end of every day, I think it just really helps inform and, and ignite that kind of interest um, and, and that's true demonstration. And then the other work we've done that kind of sits behind it is just embedding it into all of our people processes. So recruitment, job ads, all now start referencing that language and that tonality of um, the five C's. Um, development conversations all very much strongly based around that and then pointing people back to the hub to go well what's the thing you're going to really focus on engagement questions so we're looking at whether we can start using some of the language in our engagement questions so again do I think my leader is courageous and again have the definition sitting there so people can yeah no like Craig is a five like I absolutely see this he's a five um (laughs) And then, you know, and even through, you know, whether it's a, a REM conversation, so again, having that courage and that care, um, linking it to our wellbeing strategies, so being really clear around, yeah, this is a deal, Amateur, we want this to be a safe and inclusive workplace, so this is how it shows up in that care and curiosity around, you know, learning agility, how do we help individuals, teams and the organisation grow and learn? So I think it's, mm-hmm. um, we're playing it through all of those, um, I'd say still early days, but I think the fact that we landed on five. It's it's beautiful. And I mean, a couple of just the things I want to call out that I hear that I think it's a great opportunity to call out. One is, I mean, it reminds me a bit, and this may be not, these may not be your values, but it reminds me of the same sort of exercise that organizations use to really get clear, identify, decomplicate their value structure so you can remember them. And, but I think what a couple of things, one is, working backwards instead of overcomplicating, you said, let's, you came up with a simple model and the complication gets more into the, like, where does it hit the road? So with that manager, I can have a conversation, what it means for a manager, for a leader, but not starting with it so complicated, keeping it simple. And then in the conversation, starting to break it out versus the other way around. Um, The other thing that you said that I want to call out that really inspired me, I've seen a few times, I think it's also with values, but it's the same thing here is that taking time to start to document what do your values look like in action in your organization? So Values still can be a little bit abstract, right? What does commercial mean? What does caring really mean? And if you, you know, and it was organizations start to collect and codify the, like, this is what it looks like here. Like, you know, yeah. uh, I think that's really powerful. And it sounds like that's what you're doing. You're starting to help people connect these to, to true actions. And now people can then, you know, there's also saying what gets recognized gets repeated. Then you recognize those actions, you see more of them, and now you're encouraging the, the behaviors that you've identified that will make your organization successful versus the other way around. So I just, those, when I heard you speaking that those jumped out, I think that's great. And I'm really happy we got a chance to speak about that because it's those sorts of things I think can help others as they're thinking about these complex and complicated issues. And like you said, I think when you spoke, it's obvious there's complication to it, You've created a simple process to allow you to use this language, uh, cut it across different areas and start to really embed it in your organization. So I think that was great. Uh, I'll tell you what, I think that's a great opportunity. So, you know, we're doing a podcast. We have to do our speed questions. Are you ready? I think so. Go. Let's They're do all, it. You're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. Uh, first one, new emergent theme in this past year. Oh, disruption. Embrace disruption. Embrace disruption. All right biggest challenge for you? We are in the midst of potentially being acquired. So we are living a world of two different scenarios right now. Um, Mm. And for me, that is, um, it's super exciting and there's massive opportunities, but it's also, we don't know, and uncertainty and being able to manage through that. Um, So for myself and for all of those people around me. If you were in front of every manager in the entire world right now and you could share one thing, what would that be? You are in a privileged position to lead people. 
and don't take that privilege lightly. Okay, this one, this one, I, I slid. I'm really excited. So, music's meant a lot to me in my life. Music that has impacted your life. Is there an artist? Is there a band? Is there? When I say that, what comes up for you? This is easy. I love Coldplay, and I literally do say Coldplay changed my life. I just think they are. He's a, a very talented musician. And so yes, Chris Martin specifically love. or Coldplay as a band? Oh, Coldplay as a band, but I think he is particularly yeah. talented. But yeah, easy. Yeah. When that Parachutes album came out, that I listened to that thing more. I couldn't, and it was not my typical music. That album was on repeat for a long time for me. And still. So I've actually just recently um, had that on my playlist and it's it's fabulous music. So yes. Such a good play. album. Oh, All right. Beautiful. Good, I like that. I love it. That was, that's selfish. I'm asking those questions because I want to know. Um, if you could take a vacation anywhere in the world right now, where would you go? I would go back to the sunny UK and see my parents. So they are in Kent, just southeast of London. The sunny UK? Does, is that is that are those two words that usually get put together? What's going on here? Not really. <laughs> is, it, is it sunny right now, I'm, you mean? I'm an optimist, Craig. I kind of, they have moments. <laughs> they have moments of sunshine. Uh, so you go home and see your family? I would go home, yeah. Oh, you know, this, is, this has been so hard when you hear these stories and we're starting to come out of it. And wow. Book recommendation. Um, I, the fic, the non the fiction, I'd go, um, the trauma cleaner and I can't remember the author now, but it is fantastic. Um, mm. eye opening, mind blowing, amazing, uh, nonfiction, Julia Gillard, Women in Leadership, the book that she wrote with Ngozi. And the reason I have this is this is one of the books that we're sharing with our female leaders as part of their program. Um, just a really, and again, not just for females to read, um, really interesting stories, stats, bringing it all together. Um, Fabulous, fabulous book. Awesome. Okay. How about podcast recommendation? Oh, I I listen to silly things on podcasts. Okay. Um, I will do Audible. So I do love an Audible book. Um, Okay. And at the moment I am, I'm still like going through um, Barack Obama, Promised Land, and it's 25 hours. That's the newest one? Yes. So 25 hours of Barack. So he and I have been walking a lot together. It's a good voice to listen to. Oh, beautiful. (laughs) Jack, superpower. What's your superpower, Jack? Optimism. Optimism. And the last one I have here, how do you keep learning and growing? Uh, Crazy podcasts from others. I am very much the one. So I, I do try and read and I do try and obviously keep up to date with kind of what's happening in leadership around the world. But I think learning from others. Um, and I've actually just completed um, a pilot with a guy called Julian Stodd, who is based out of the UK. And he has a beautiful model of social leadership. So I, I got a group of girlfriends together. So um, mm. OG people around Australia. And we've just completed a four week pilot of that. So I do try and challenge myself to do those things. I love it. And you organize, I mean, I think, I think building our networks to, to grow um, is really critical. Look, Jack, that was, that was the end of, of my list of questions. I just really want to say thank you for today, but also thank you. I mean, you probably came on my radar a little over a year ago. Um, and I'm just really, I've always been inspired by the work you do professionally and then how you show up. Um, I will share with others that you also have gotten involved and been part of a movement culture amps involving with just the culture first community, which is, it doesn't matter if you're a client, it doesn't matter is anybody who believes a better world of work is possible and wants to do something about it. We've created a network of uh, chapters around the globe that are hosting these conversations. Jack, you stepped up early to lead our Sydney chapter. 
Um, and I couldn't be more honored. And that is a great opportunity to tell everybody, you know, go to cultureamp.com. You'll be able to find more information about our community there. But you walk the walk. You don't, you're not just out talking about it. And I can, I can say that um, watching how you show up in the world to inspire others. So thank you. Super appreciative. You've inspired me. I feel better in the world with people like you around. I know if we get together and we keep these conversations moving, we can really, really make change. And this is the time. So just want to say thank you for being who you are in the world and for taking the time to do this. No, and thank you. And actually, you know, um, straight back at you. So we have had the opportunity to work on a few things with Culture First. And that community is been so incredible. And the the mm. couple of people that I've met through that um, for Sydney have just been, again, like-minded, but also challenging. And just that that opportunity to just test ideas and explore and, and go create something that we actually don't know what it's going to look like. But we know that we just want to have those conversations. So um, yeah, it's been yeah. it's been an incredible journey. And actually, because we first met the um, the leads through COVID, I think we set up in March last year. Um, I've only recently, like literally in the four, last four weeks, met two of the girls face to face, and That's it was right. it was really emotional. So you know, we <laughs> built this amazing connection, and I finally got to see the girls face to face, which was incredible. It's wonderful. And I say, anybody listening, look, you know, Jack. Yes, Jack is in a senior position. She's grown in her career, but we all can impact change and culture and there's different ways we can all show up and leverage whatever influence we have. So, you know, that's just one of many ways, but do something, be part of the change. We're all part of culture. So if you're on the sidelines complaining, then that is your role, you know, and I would say to people like, be the change you want to see in the world. What's, fr what's frustrating you? How can you advance that in your life just a little bit? And I think that's what that community stands for. And it's just, like I said, I feel better in the world where I know we're, we're working together trying to advance the same thing and, and make workplaces better for people. So thank you. Thank you. Humanity Works is hosted by me, Craig Foreman. Produced and edited by Alessia Campagna with technical production by Anthony Watson. And a special thanks to our executive producers, Leonie Rothwell and Marcus Warall. To activate a world of powerful potential, visit Sprouta.com. Hi, I'm Leonie. And I'm Marcus. And together, we founded Sprouter. If you love our Humanity Works podcast, we'd love for you to subscribe, share, or leave a review wherever you listen. We can't wait to bring you more stories of amazing people doing amazing things in people performance and culture.